This episode is brought to you by All Things Action. All Things Action was created by Matt and his son Noah. Noah just happens to be autistic, and Marvel has played a huge role in his life. For this dynamic duo, Marvel isn't just about superheroes. It has a much deeper meaning and has helped Noah learn essential life skills. The Marvel Universe is where Noah learned compassion from Spider-Man, resilience from Daredevil, leadership from Captain America, and acceptance from The Thing. Much like Marvel isn't just about superheroes, All Things Action isn't just a store. It's a vehicle to help Noah learn the business skills needed to be independent and live his best life. All Things Action is also a haven for fans, a safe space for casual and huge comic fans alike to nerd out. It offers a fantastic range of officially licensed Marvel merchandise, including both retro and current designs. You can find everything from t-shirts to water bottles and all at prices a superhero would love. All Things Action is your friendly neighborhood superhero store. So what are you waiting for? Visit allthingsaction.com and join them for their grand opening special. Everything store-wide is 10% off, and you can save an additional 10% by using the code THEAUTISMDAD at checkout. This episode is brought to you by Acing Autism. Welcome to a world where every serve and volley opens up a universe of possibilities for children on the autism spectrum. This is Acing Autism a place where kids aged 5 to 18 can thrive through the power and joy of tennis. At Acing Autism, we believe in nurturing growth, fostering social connections, and enhancing physical fitness. Our affordable tennis programs are tailored to each child's unique needs with one-on-one support from dedicated volunteer buddies. If your child needs extra care, we're ready with additional support, be it another volunteer, a parent, or a BCBA specialist right there on the court. Join us for our fun-filled weekend sessions that run for six to eight weeks. Each session is a step towards confidence, skill, and a vibrant social life for your child. Worried about costs? Acing Autism offers scholarships because we believe every child should have a chance to shine. And remember, age is just a number. We're here for your child, your teenager, and upon request, we extend our love for the game beyond 18. Acing Autism isn't just about tennis. It's about setting the stage for a brighter, more confident future. For more information, visit acingautism.org. That's A-C-E-I-N-G-A-U-T-I-S-M.org to learn more about scholarships and find a location near you. Serve up some joy, enroll your child today, and let's ace autism together. Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski. As a single dad to three amazing autistic kids, I've been the go-to resource for parents across the globe navigating neurodivergence since 2010. Building on the success of my award-winning blog, The Autism Dad, this podcast provides parents raising autistic or neurodivergent kids with comfort, community, resources, and validation. You'll also hear inspiring stories from parents just like you, reminding you that you're not alone. So don't miss out. New episodes drop every Monday and Wednesday. Subscribe on your favorite podcast listening app and visit theautismdad.com for more information. On this week's episode of the Autism Dad podcast, we are going to talk all about potty training. And about a year ago, I interviewed Molly Johnson. Molly Johnson is the autism consultant on Facebook and Instagram. She specializes in working with autistic kids, specifically in regards to potty training. So we had a conversation about a year ago, and I'm going to reshare the episode for a couple of reasons. One, I thought it was really well done in the sense that like, she, she addresses things in a way that I think is very relatable and very practical and very helpful to parents. Uh, you guys have been asking a lot of questions recently, and I think that this can answer a bunch of them. And also, there's a lot of new listeners and a lot of new followers on social media that you'll be seeing and experiencing this for the first time. It's an amazing resource. I hope to connect with Molly again in 2024 and take on some more topics uh, specific to things like potty training. 
and help you guys out. So thank you all for taking the time to tune in. I really appreciate it. And I hope you enjoy the interview. Thank you, Molly, for taking the time to come on the show. Could you take a moment, tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yes, absolutely. I'm excited to be here. So first of all, thank you for inviting me on your show. And just to let everybody know who I am, my name is Molly Johnson, and I am an autism consultant. And I came into this role through being an autism teacher. And so I was an autism teacher. I've worked at a private autism program at a public elementary school and then a public middle school as well as an autism teacher. And you know, over time, what I started to realize that was happening was I was almost being an autism consultant for the parents of the students that I was teaching because my kid, my students would go home and the parents would send me a text or an email in the evening and say, hey, you know, we're struggling with blah, blah, blah at home. If this were in the classroom, how would you go about this? And how would you solve this? And what should I be doing at home? Or can we tag team this? And I work on it at home in some ways and you work on it in school. And so I was giving a lot of advice outside of the classroom too, with behaviors and skill development. Um, and, you know, I, I realized that I like this. I like connecting with the parents and proving to them that, yes, your child can, they're so capable. It's just going to look a little different getting there. So I decided to leave the classroom and go completely to consulting and working with parents and supporting the parents side of things. And so that's how the autism consultant was born. And now I have the pleasure of working with families from all over the world. And it completely blows my mind because when I think about, you know, the kids that I impacted when I was an autism teacher, that was limited. You know, that was capped at maybe 12 to 15 kids. I mean, 15 kids, it would be a, lot. a crazy packed classroom. And 12 <laughs> was really the max classroom. But I was only, you know, able to impact 12 kids a year. And now with the internet, the, you know, there's so many benefits of the internet and connecting with people around the world. I'm able to help so many more people. So it's just been the greatest thing and such a fun transition for me from working with the kids to working with the parents. Um, potty training is, is what we're going to be, we're going to be talking about today because I've been getting a lot of questions, especially lately about how to help their child potty train. And they could be various ages. It doesn't seem to matter. Well, first of all, for families who, who feel like it's hopeless, like they've been trying everything they know to do and they, they can't make progress. Uh, or what they view as progress. How is it? Is it really hopeless? It is absolutely not hopeless because I I can tell you from experience. I've worked with so many families that have a, have kids of all different abilities. Autism is one hundred percent a spectrum, and kids fall everywhere on that spectrum with their struggles, their abilities, their family situation. Um, you know, one of the biggest myths that I hear from people and that people you know, they don't want to get started with potty training because their child is not speaking yet. And I see a lot of parents that are in that situation where they have a non-speaking child and they truly feel like it is a hopeless situation. But I can assure you that verbal speech and the ability to go to the bathroom on the toilet are not correlated. It does not have anything. One doesn't have anything to do with the other. Now, that's not to say that communication does not play a role. Communication 100% plays a role in the potty training process. But luckily, 
there are other ways to communicate. So we need to move past that fear of, or that mindset that a child can't speak, so they can't do X, Y, and Z. We need to look past that. We need to push forward and we just need to find a different way to communicate. Communication looks different for all of us. So we just have to find what works for that child. It is not hopeless, regardless of if your child is two years old or 15 years old, your child is capable of doing it. The oldest that I have personally potty trained as an autism teacher is 13. And the oldest that I had go successfully through my course, my potty training course is 15. I know it's, I know it's possible. It seems like you're fighting an uphill battle sometimes because sometimes we go into things without a plan and not really knowing what's going to pop up and the problems that are going to arise. And we're kind of going into a blind and not really knowing what we're doing. But if you go in with a plan and you have ways to troubleshoot the problems before the problems even arise, you will absolutely potty train your child. What? Well, and I think that's a really important message because it can be so overwhelming because that's just one challenge amongst, you know, potentially many others. Right. And that, that feeling of hopelessness Mm -hmm. is very demoralizing, Mm -hmm. you know, and to know that there is hope regardless of what your situation has been up till now, uh, is that's, that's a very powerful thing for parents. So I, I appreciate that. Uh, in your experience, what seems to be like, what is the biggest struggle or obstacle that, that kids face with potty training and maybe subsequently what, you know, their, their parents face as well? Well, I think for parents, the biggest obstacle is the accidents and not just the accidents, but accepting the accidents and knowing that they're going to happen and not panicking as a result, because a lot of people assume, oh, the day I start potty training, there should be no accidents. And if there are, it means my child can't learn. They're not learning. No, absolutely not. It's like if you threw me into a brand new like sport or skill that I have never done before, it's going to take me some time to pick up on that. I am not going to perform at 100% accuracy on the first try not even probably on the 50th try. So we have to know that mindset going in. We have to know that accidents are happening, they're going to happen. They're completely normal. And if we do it right, it becomes part of the learning process. And, you know, if, if your child on day one experiences no accidents, that is wonderful, but that is a rare unicorn situation. 99% of kids are going to have accidents. Because if you think about it, what we're doing with potty training is, we're helping them unlearn years of what we've been teaching them for their whole life for two, three, four, 10 years. We're telling this child, go in your pull-up, go whenever you want, go wherever you want. The circumstances don't really matter. You can do whatever you want, whenever you want. But now we're changing the game all of a sudden. Yeah, it's going to take some time to unlearn. There are going to be accidents along the way. So I would say that's probably the biggest struggle is parents freak out about the accidents. But I, I make sure that my my parents that I work with are so prepared going in. You have to know mentally that they're going to happen. And when we expect it, it's not so defeating. But if we go into it thinking, yeah, there's no, not going to be any accidents. And then they happen for a couple of days, we feel defeated and we don't want to keep going. Also, comparison, if I can just add, comparison goes into that as well, because I think, you know, we might see a picture, a picture that Susie Q posts on her Facebook of her son in 
big boy underwear. He's fully potty trained at age three. And we start comparing our child and our situation to Susie Q's son and thinking, oh my gosh, by, by how she's posting about this, it was so easy for her. But really, we don't see all the hard work that went into it. We don't see all her incidents. She's just post, posting about, you know, the grand finale, everything that worked out, you know, peaches and cream and looks beautiful. We don't know the struggle that went on behind that. And so social media sometimes can really affect us and get us into that comparison mode and think, oh, so-and-so's child can do this, but mine can't. And that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Everybody's circumstance is different and uh, the challenges that they face are unique. Every, every kid on a spectrum is unique. And so there should be, we need to be open-minded about the timeframes for things because I don't think there is a set time frame, um, but that doesn't reflect on their capability overall. Right. It yeah, just takes some, exactly. some time to, uh, to navigate that. 100%. Uh, so, okay. What are like your top five tips that can help parents help their autistic child to use the bathroom? Okay. You ready? These are good. And I expect I'm ready. Every parent that I work with, I tell them you have to follow these. These are some of the most important steps. And I don't want anybody to skip out on these. So the first one is before you even get into potty training, start changing your child's pull up on the bathroom floor. Move from wherever you're currently doing that, whether it's their bedroom or your living room or wherever you're currently doing that, move all your items and that activity of changing their pull up, move that to the bathroom. Because what we want to do is start working on location association and teaching your child that anything to do with relieving ourselves, it happens in the bathroom. You and I, we don't take care of our business in the living room. We don't take care of our business in our bedroom. We go to the bathroom for that. And so we're teaching that child the same thing before we even start the potty training process. This is going to, this is one of the most important steps to follow. And it's going to be a game changer for once you do move into the stages of actually getting into potty training and actually sitting your child on the toilet. So do not miss out on that step. I also want to add to that. I would choose one bathroom. I wouldn't do that for all the bathrooms in the house. I would choose one to keep it as simple and consistent as possible. The second tip that I want parents to follow is the timing matters. Look at the time frame that your schedule of when you're going to start potty training. If your child's starting a new school or a new therapy, or you're going on vacation, or mom's going out of town for work for a couple of days, do not start. If it does not make sense, if the timing doesn't make sense for your family, don't start yet. It's not the end of the world to wait a month or wait two months until your schedule is a little less busy. And I know some of you are going to hear that and laugh. Like, does our schedule ever calm down? No, not really. But no. there are going to be those, yeah, there are going to be those chunks of time where you're not going on a vacation or when you don't have people coming to stay at your house for a weekend, you know, look for those little pockets where you know life's going to be pretty normal and consistent and use that as the time to start because every inconsistency that we have in our day-to-day -day lives, that could be like a little speed bump in the child's learning process. So we make, we want to make sure to avoid that from early on. Um, my next tip, we've kind of addressed this a little bit, but we need to think about communication. And if your child is not currently verbally speaking, that is okay. They can still absolutely 100% learn to go to the bathroom on the toilet. 
but we have to think about what our communication options are. So we can't just move forward with potty training a non-speaking child, but have no plan of action for giving them a voice. Because eventually the goal is for a child to be able to tell that, tell us, hey, mom, hey, dad, I have to go to the bathroom. When we're walking the aisles of Target and that child is no longer wearing a pull-up, we want them to be able to tell us, hey, I've got to go to the bathroom. I'm about to have an accident. So be thinking about, before you even start, be thinking about what communication options you want to use. There are um, picture symbols like pets. There's sign language. There's an AAC communication device. Just think about what's going to fit your family and your child's needs best. But I would start thinking about that before you even get started because I don't want you to be adding to the plan just randomly as you go. I want parents to have a plan of action before they even start so they know exactly what the steps are and exactly what they're doing every step of the way. The fourth tip is that learning is a process. And again, we touched on this one a little bit too, but it's not going to happen overnight. And almost no kid is going to, you know, have their pull-ups taken away one day and know the expectation and not only know it, but know how to perform the expectation. It's one thing to know an expectation, but it's another for that child to actually follow through and engage in it and engage in it with 100% accuracy. And we have to realize learning's a process. Autistic children, they learn things different. They process information different. They process expectations and changes and um, new sensory input completely differently. And so we have to take that into consideration and know that it's not going to be an overnight success. Um, I recommend that parents take at least two days where They have very minimal activities. They're home most of the day. I recommend starting on weekends actually for this um, because it is a process. Now, am I saying it's going to happen in two days? No, they they might still have accidents on day three, four, five, and six because every child is different. But I want every parent to know it's a process and we need to allow the learning process to play out. And, you know, a lot of times when we expect immediate success, we're unintentionally, we don't even realize it sometimes, we're unintentionally putting so much pressure and disappointment on this child. We don't even realize that the pressure and disappointment is like seeping out of us, but it is. And the child picks up on it. So if we can go into it with the mindset of there are going to be accidents, there are going to be bumps in the road. My child takes a little longer to process information and act on that information. Then we go in with a better mindset and a better, we're, we're in a better headspace. And then number five, I see this one all the time. Do not tackle too many skills at once. So if we think about potty training, it's actually a ton of skills thrown in there. And we think of it as one skill, but it's not. It's a ton. It's, you know, um, pulling up and down our pants, actually sitting on the cold, hard toilet, um, actually peeing and pooping on the toilet, wiping, flushing, washing our hands. Um, communicating about it, being able to initiate walking on our own to the bathroom. I mean, there are so many skills that go into potty training. And I see it all the time where parents are tackling like five of the skills at once in a given time frame. And so my biggest piece of advice to these parents is don't, don't. The first skill should be going to the bathroom and the toilet. That's the first skill I have every parent work on. After that, after they're able to follow your lead, then we can add on the pressure and more expectations of different skills, all the little baby skills that kind of follow behind. But my, my goal in the beginning, it's not to have the kid pull down their pants. It's not to have them wipe 
you know, mom can still be wiping their tush when they're sitting on the toilet the first two weeks of potty training. That's not my goal. My first goal is actually them just sitting on it and relieving themselves. So have that be your first goal. Once they've experienced success with that, then add on more goals. But when we throw too much too soon at a child, it's a lot. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of expectations. It's a lot to remember when we're asking them to complete, I don't know, what did I I list? Seven skills all at once. It's a lot for a kid to take on. And for a kid that processes information a little differently, that means we have to approach it a little differently as well. And we might have to approach it a little slower and in smaller steps as well. This episode is brought to you by Hebe Health. Welcome to a world where managing your child's care is simplified and supportive. Introducing Hebe, the app designed to help families navigate the complexities of caring for a child with additional needs. As a father of three autistic children, I understand the challenges parents face in coordinating care. That's why I'm excited to share Hebe with you today. Created by families for families, Hebe provides essential tools to manage, store, and share your child's care information. It brings together health, education, and social care into one easy-to-use platform, reducing the overwhelm and isolation often felt by families. With Hebe, you get personalized guidance and care management tools, helping you track and share vital information with your care team. The collaborative nature of the app allows you to invite family, friends, and professionals, ensuring everyone's on the same page. The journey to develop Hebe involved dozens of workshops and interviews with hundreds of families. This co-design approach ensures that the app truly meets the needs of families like yours. Join the Hebe community today. Together, let's empower our journey in caring for our children. Remember that you're not alone. Hebe is here to help you every step of the way. You can download and try the app for free on both Android and iOS. For more information, visit Hebe.health. That's H-I-B-I dot health. Okay, so what I'm hearing with this is that basically we need to move all potty training activities into the bathroom and we don't want to start this until there's a time, you know, set aside that's dedicated specifically to this because disruptions can be disruptive, right? And and create setbacks. And and then uh, you want to make sure that there's a form of communication and it doesn't have to be verbal communication uh, between you and your child in regards to using the bathroom. And remember that it's a process that accidents are going to happen and not to allow those accidents to be discouraging. Finally, focus on one skill at a time because you don't want to overwhelm your child and you want to kind of have a foundation and build from one to the next, to the next, to the next. Does that, that sound about right? Yes, absolutely. What you sort of touched on time frame a little bit, but what is, and, and I know that you can't predict because every kid is different, but what, what seems to be the average reasonable time frame that parents should sort of envision when it comes to potty training their child? Okay, don't hate me, but I do not want to answer this question because some parent is going to hear this number and then they're going to be well beyond that number of days. And then they're going to have self-doubt. They're going to be in comparison mode and they're going to want to throw in the towel. So I'm actually not going to answer. And my, my answer is just going to be every child is so completely different. There is not one set amount of days that it's going to happen in. So, so it'd be safe to say like, as long as it takes, it takes as long yeah, as it takes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, if you think about me and you, your rate of learning a new skill might be so much faster than me, but does that mean, you know, 
I don't honestly, if I'm doing the same skill that you're learning and you learn faster, I don't want to know. I don't want to know how many days it took you if I'm like 10 days behind, because that's going to, that'll mess with my Mm self-esteem. So I just want every parent to know that it'll happen. It just might be at a different rate than another child. And that's okay. We all learn at different rates. So stay the course, don't give up and, and keep plugging away. Um, can I tell you a little story about a parent I'm working with now? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you have any stories you want to share. So I'm working with a parent right now who, um, her son is going to the bathroom on the toilet at school, but engaging in like crazy refusal behaviors at home when his mom tries to get him to sit on the toilet. And so, you know, I'm working with her back and forth. We're talking back and forth, trying to figure out what the issue is, what the difference is between school and home. And then it dawned on me, you know, maybe she's attempted potty training before in the past. So I asked her, okay, have you attempted to potty train your son before? And did you decide it's not going well? So you threw in the towel. And she said, yes. When we first started potty training, like six months ago, he, he had these types of behaviors. And after two days, we stopped because we figured that it's just not for him. And I was like, ah, so it might be a learned behavior. Because he's, he knows what the skill is. He knows what the expectation is. He knows how to engage in it because he's doing it. He's performing it daily, several times a day at school. But sometimes, well, all the time, we learn behaviors. Behaviors are shaped and maintained by the environment around us, by the people around us, by how the people respond and react to our behaviors. So, you know, he learned from that first time, oh, if I engage in X, Y, and Z, Maybe she'll give me my diaper back and I feel more comfortable in my diaper. So I, you know, I told her and I was very encouraging, do not stop what you're doing. Be very consistent. We're not going to be forceful. We'll we'll never take a forceful approach, but keep being consistent and stay on track. And I just got an email from her this morning and said, we had almost no accidents today. I almost threw in the towel a couple of days ago and I would have never known it's possible if you wouldn't have kept me going and kept encouraging me. So always stay the course. It's worth it. I promise. That That's really cool because there, and I think that's so important for parents to hear. Cause I was just, I was talking to you a little bit before we started recording about the parents in my support group who are kind of at their wits end. Like they just feel like it's impossible. It's never going to work. And they're resigning themselves to always having to deal with things a certain way. And hearing that type of story, I think it's very inspirational. I think it inspires hope. And that kind of strength that you need to kind of keep getting back up and, and keep pushing forward because, it, you know, success is only one more attempt away, right? I mean, every, every time there's, a, exactly. there's an accident, it's just one more time, you know, just do one more time and, you know, don't look at it as a, as a whole, just one time at a time. It's so funny. I just listened to a podcast on that. So it was just funny that you said those words. I was like, oh my gosh, what a great message. But it, yeah, but it's but so it's, true. It's one so more true. time. Just, just you know, what's happening in this moment right now does not represent what's going to be happening five -hmm. days from now or even tomorrow or two hours from now. And we, we oftentimes, we talk about like our, our autistic kids generalizing things, Mm -hmm. but I think as parents, we do the same thing. We we kind of assume that this struggle is going to be this way forever. And we can talk ourselves into a place where we just give up, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's, it's easier than continuing that, that fight. Uh, so I think that's really, really good advice. Thank you. I appreciate that. What are just even one or two things that, and we did sort of touch on this, but what are, what are just a couple of things that are counterproductive that maybe you see 
parents doing because they feel like it's the right thing to do. But in mm -hmm. reality, it's just uh, making things harder. Yeah. So I see this a lot and I, I, I don't want to ever say something like mistakes parents are making, because I don't want you to think that you're doing anything wrong. You're doing the best you can and you're doing what you know and what you've learned. But what I want you, if you're starting at square one, you're starting, you know, at the very beginning, what I do not want you to do is add in unnecessary steps to the process. And the biggest unnecessary step I see added in is that plastic floor potty. And you get a lot of pushback on this one, but here's the reason why. This is one more skill. It's a different skill. Peeing on a floor potty and pooping on a floor potty is completely different than sitting on that big, cold, hard toilet. It's different. And a lot of times people have them in the wrong locations too, like in the living room or in the bedroom. Um, don't add in that step. You don't need it because what happens is you almost have to re-potty train and reteach your child to start going on the toilet. So you're almost potty training all over again. And, you know, I, I only recommend adding in what you want to be the final outcome. And the final outcome is not peeing on that floor potty. You and I don't do that. We don't want that to be the final outcome for your child. So with whatever change we implement with potty training, we want it to be as close to the finish line as possible. That floor potty, it's going to add in one more transition. And what we know about autistic children is, or all autistic individuals is that they get fearful of transitions and changes, and it brings on anxiety and possible behaviors and a lot of uncertainty. So if we can take out a transition, if we don't have to add in that extra trans transition, we shouldn't. Your child can 100% learn to use the toilet without a floor potty. Okay. Um, That's the biggest one. Okay. That seems, uh, I guess I, it makes sense to me. I, I don't know that I would have thought that because they market those mm -hmm. little toilets as like a natural progression from yep. like one to the next to the next. And, 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 but I can see it would almost be like start. It is like starting all over again. Cause it's, it's, they become mm -hmm. accustomed to one thing, yep. but you don't want them doing that forever. Right. Cause they only make those mm -hmm. so big and you're going to have to start all over again and, and work them into something else. So it just makes sense to go from you know, start to work on what your finished final goal is. So I, yeah, I agree. And their marketing is wonderful because most parent thinks that's the next step out of diapers. Most parent thinks that, oh, that's going to be part of the potty training process. And that's one of the steps of what I tell parents not to do inside my potty training course, because I don't want to have to take the time and energy to re potty train a child because it is going to be a new skill they're learning going from this thing to this thing, you know, to the toilet, to go, to go to the bathroom on. So, um, and you know, that, that leads me to, there are a ton of things out there that are on the internet that, you know, I don't recommend and they're everywhere. When you, when you think about potty training your child, you're probably going to Google and you're typing in how to potty train my autistic child. And there are going to be steps in there that I, I don't recommend along with the floor potty. Like, um, most of the methods out there teach you to do things like sit your child on the on the toilet every five to 10 minutes. Like I don't recommend that at all. That's most likely going to create a negative relationship with the toilet. It's going to become a chore for both, both mom and the child. It's, um, you know, it doesn't allow the bladder to get full because if we're asking a child to pee every five to 10 minutes, how on earth can a bladder get full? 
And then later down the line, we want to work on that child communicating and initiating going to the bathroom on their own. And if they don't know what a full bladder feels like, it's going to hurt the initiation step down the road. Um, you know, I also I also don't support a forceful approach of holding a child down and sitting, keeping them on the toilet until they go. OK, if I don't have to go to the bathroom and you make me sit on the toilet till I have to go, the next time I have to go pee might not be for another 30 minutes. Like, you know, my my relationship with the toilet, it's going to be broken. My relationship with you is going to be a little different if you're forcing me to sit there. And I, I get a lot of parents who, you know, whether they were taught to use that approach and they did it at home or their child, they're using that approach at therapy or the teachers using that approach at school. I hear it on a daily basis that, you know, my child's now traumatized of the toilet. So if we go into it knowing that that's not part of our potty training plan, we can avoid some trauma on the child's end. And I, I can tell you for sure, if we do things that are going to cause trauma, it's going to really slow down the process. And if your child's experienced trauma, I'm actually going to tell you, you need to just hit pause for a while and you need to wait a few months before you come back to it. because that child has a broken relationship with the toilet. That's really interesting. I would not have, I really wouldn't have ever thought that. And I think that a lot of parents would fall into that trap because that's sort of the way that society has kind of made us think about potty training is, is that it's like we have to start here and then go to here and then go to here. And then ultimately we can be creating more of a problem for ourselves. So I, I really appreciate that insight. How can people find you? What's what's the best way for people to connect with you if they 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 listen to this and they're like, this is great, I want more. Like, how can they find you? So if you just look up the autism consultant on Instagram, you will find me. And then I have a Facebook page as well. But find me on Instagram, send me a message. I like talking to parents and um, you know, I'll be honest with you. A lot of parents will be sending me messages and they'll say, Hey, this is my situation. Is my child ready? And I'll tell them yes or no. I, I tell many parents, no, I'd recommend waiting a little bit. Um, so shoot me a question, shoot me a message and just connect with me. I love meeting new people. Very cool. Uh, I'll have all of your information in the show notes and the blog posts and stuff like that. So they can uh, connect directly with you if they uh, need more information. And I, again, I just, I just really appreciate it. Well, thank you for having me on. I love getting to know new people, connecting. And this is a topic that I'm passionate about. If you look at my Instagram, I talk quite a bit about potty training. So you can tell mm -hmm. I like talking about it. So thank you for having me on. You're welcome. Before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to tune in today. It means a lot to me. I really appreciate it. And, you know, I put a lot of time and energy into each one of these episodes because I want there to be a resource for you that wasn't available for me when I was going through this with my kids. And, you know, I, I want there to be a positive impact on your lives. I want you to be able to learn something and enjoy what you're hearing. So uh, thank you again. I really appreciate it. For more information, you can visit theautismdad.com. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps. And uh, I will talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye.